centre. There's this horrible wasteland outside it. I was waiting for a lift for three hours. Waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. Gravel sticks and plastic bags and rubble bricks, old packs of bags and broken toys and bottles of Stella, a tattered old coat and a battered umbrella. Waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. Apple cores and banana skins and empty tins that belong in bins and dog turds and flocks of birds and all the time harsh sounds are heard from plants, each with a baseball cap and a mobile phone blaring out crap. Waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. Empty cans of own brand Broken glass, and what's this here? A dozen nappies, stained and shitty. It's hard to learn to love this city. I'm waiting in a wasteland. Waiting in a wasteland. So if you're jobless and broke in Upper Huntback Street in Stoke, don't pay. Don't display, just try your best to get away. Don't pay, don't display, just try your best to get away. Don't pay, don't display, just try your best to get away. Don't pay, don't display, just try your best to get away. Don't pay, don't display, just try your best to get away. Hello. Well, that's... Uh... That was one of Will's tracks. Just put in. <laughs> That's it. I'm trying to do the music act now because there's more money in music and there's yep. less. There's more audience for music. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I don't know what you think of that. It's just a bit turning all my old poems into new songs. That's what I'm up to. No, I liked it. I thought it was very good. <laughs> Cheers. But, uh, so we. So this is the uh, Christmas edition of the podcast, and it's now a musical Christmas edition. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I bought a guitar, I started playing songs, and then mm. I'm not good enough with the guitar, so I just sing the notes now. <laughs> sing vowel sounds, and um, it, it's good that I learnt guitar. Mm. Yeah, I can I can easily make a song on guitar, because I don't have to mess about with white or black keys, if I just need to move it up, the shapes are all the same. Oh, right, so I'm glad I bought that guitar, it was good fun, but yeah. I'm not going to perform with it anymore, yeah. I don't think. So, Will's like a one-man band, really. <laughs> um, it's all technology. Yeah. That's good. Experimenting, as it were. Well, yeah, I'm always craving novelty mm. in my silly t-shirt prints, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just I want to yeah. I want to shock people in a way that they yeah. like, you know, all the time. Yeah, well, it gets you noticed, doesn't it? Right. Okay. So what we're going to do this podcast is we're going to do something slightly different. So we're going to review some work that we uh, have read in 2015, this year. Uh, so I will do a review of a couple of books and we'll, we'll go over some of the poems he thought were good in 2015. Yeah. So would you like to kick it off, mate? Well, because it's Christmas and I saw mm. this uh, a guy called Scott Tyrell performing at Find the Right Words. Um, oh, dead air. It's because I just thought of something that I needed to write down and I've forgotten it now. I've started to speak. <laughs> right. Because it's Christmas, this is called the Bethlehemian TripAdvisor Review. <laughs> it's a modern take on the uh, nativity story. So the, the title of the TripAdvisor Review is Should Have Booked. My wife and I stayed here for one night in late December. The place was a last resort as all the other hotels in the area were fully booked, and even though it was patently obvious that my wife was in the final stage of her third trimester, not one hotelier would offer us any accommodation. Thank you for your compassion, Bethlehem Tourism. <laughs> Luckily, there was a Bethlehem Inn. Despite this in also having no vacancies, the proprietor offered us what he referred to as a belter of an idea, which turned out to be his stable. 
And it wasn't a converted stable, you understand, with polished floors, beds and a fire. Not even an empty stable with warm hay and a chance for an exhausted mum-to-be to enjoy some much-needed R&R. No, a fully functioning, cattle-inhabited, open-fronted shit-shack with no door. But as options were pretty much dwindled to it's this or divorce, I grabbed a haystack for my now ready-to-vote-for-crucifixion wife, negotiated a heavy discount and settled in for the night. Then round about midnight, my wife's waters broke. Now I do accept that an unexpected birth is a challenge for most hotels, but the proprietor of the Bethlehem Inn chose not to see the incident as a challenge or indeed any of his concern and left us to manage our own midwifery. And despite my training being primarily in carpentry and lacking any appropriate sterilised equipment or nursing staff barring the donkey, we successfully managed to deliver a healthy baby boy, which due to the Bethlehem Inn, surprise, surprise, not supplying travel cots, I had to place in a trough. A trough that I had to frequently beat the cows away from as they attempted to eat my son's bedding. It was at this point that things grew manifestly weirder. Due to the lack of any kind of door on a very public hotel room, any idiots from their sheep could just wander in, and indeed they did, and forthwith did prostrate themselves in front of the trough and refused to leave. They even offered us livestock if they would be allowed to stay and praise our poor blood-soaked son. Then some androgynous-looking weirdo dressed as a fairy lowered him slash herself through the skylight and proceeded to knock out some sort of Gregorian chanting, and this shit went on well into the night. So because of all the apparent hygiene issues and the subsequent clear infringement of our privacy during an already stressful evening, we can only grant the Bethlehem Inn one star. Which incidentally is what three pissed foreigners claimed they had been following when they turned up just before morning with three massively inappropriate baby gifts. To be fair, the gold was a nice thought, but embalming oil and incense are absurdly creepy presents for a newborn and we hid them under the haystack. Anyway, we now had seven strangers and their livestock crashing in our hotel room, so we checked out as soon as we woke up the next morning. And we didn't stay for breakfast, so I can't comment there. Thankfully, the gold helped us secure the rest of our stay at the Bethlehem Malmaison. Result. We haven't yet contacted... We haven't yet been contacted by the Bethlehem Inn or offered any kind of refund or apology by the idiot in charge, but I'd sooner see a man walk on water before I'd stay there again. <laughs> the only plus point was that there was no Gideon's Bible. So that's it. <laughs> I was just thinking, I've often thought that the, the gifts were <laughs> a bit weird. I mean, what is myrrh anyway? Uh, he seems to think it's embalming oil, which oh, right. it could be. It could be. I, I think there is debate on it. It's yeah. not. It's not settled. Oh, Scholars right. okay. will fight for what they Mystery. believe it to be. No, that's good. But then again, a lot of the things are mysterious. The idea that you would have to travel a long way through mm. a census to your own hometown—that'd be very difficult to orchestrate, even to today's day and age. Well, to choose to want to do especially that, especially in today's day and age when people are abroad and what mm. have you. Yeah, but they did that in Japan as well. Oh, yeah, I think. So, let's just uh, see what you've been doing recently, mate. Uh, well, I've started to get a couple of paid gigs, which have been good. Mm -hmm. And I've been um, trying not to spend all the money as beer money. I've been selling books. I've sold uh, quite a few now. Every time I perform, I always take books with me and um, always sign a little poem to people yeah. they seem to like. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes people will buy one off me, and when I've written them a poem, they'll mm. buy one for someone else. Right. Like the barmaid at um, the Stamford Arms in Groovy. Mm. She's quite pretty, and the guy <laughs> who bought the book off me said, write a poem for her. Yeah. And he wanted it to be quite flirty and rude, which is quite fun. Yeah. So I think I rhymed um, <laughs> platinum beauty with you look fruity. And I don't know, <laughs> she liked it anyway. You know, I just keep uh, do you think he performing took, as often as I can. And do you think this guy took credit for your work? Oh, no, he knew <laughs> that it was... Uh, she she knew that, that I'd written it. Yeah, okay. Well, I've seen good. her since, and she always smiles at me. I keep going back there now. Mm. I sold six books there the first time I performed there. Oh, that's a good result. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started doing a musical sort of act, mm. because I just think there's a limited audience for poetry. And yeah. I do really enjoy it. Um and I have had, you know, my, my biggest sort of success is this performance at Word, which I did on Tuesday last week. Oh yeah, how'd it go? It went really well, for the most part. I always focus on what went wrong, mm. rather than the success of it. But basically, 12 minutes of it was great. Yeah. And two minutes of it was a bit bleak, because I 
miss chose what poems to do. I'd just done like a five minute rant about capitalism. Right. And I thought, oh, I'll lighten the mood with a cock joke. <laughs> and they're a theatre audience. And in a pub, that would have been fine. But yeah. they didn't need that. No. So I, yeah, I did You've that. You've got to cater for your venue. Yeah. You know? So I did um, my Primark Boxer Shorts one. Mm. <laughs> and then that um, Where's My Dustpan one that's about like a bum crack on show. So I did two badly chosen <laughs> poems. But um, it was really nice because beforehand... Um, a guy called Nathan Human, mm-hmm. who is a cameraman and videographer, um, he, and he does podcasts himself. All right. Uh, he wanted to interview me, and it was um, part of Word. You know, yeah. So that, that I don't know what I don't know when it'll be on YouTube. But so it's going to edit. So it's something. a video then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So he's done he's done other videos for other people, like in the local Leicester sort of art scene. Mm. Did one with Douglas Deans and Jess Green that I saw. Well, we'll have to get him to do one for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been looking at... I've been meeting interesting people through performing. Mm. So maybe in the new year, what we could start doing... Like we interviewed Kevin mm-hmm. about his performance. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a list of like six or seven people now. When you I'd say like interesting, in. do you mean interesting stroke crazy? Uh, no, I mean <laughs> interesting in that they're doing either something ambitious or unique. Oh, okay. Or interesting. Because you know, okay. I go on open mic nights all the time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think I just want to sell the idea that I've come to believe now that you, you know, people go on, people watch TV for Britain's Got Talent and X Factor looking for talent, but that's mm. not where it is. No. In my opinion, that it's in open mic nights all over the place. People are, tr- you know, finding their feet, doing new things. I think it's amazing how much talent there is just in the local area. Mm. Um, and as you say, you, you need something like uh, open mic nights in order to give it a platform. Yeah. And there's lots of, especially the young kids who haven't really had the opportunity to do anything arty, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. use their, their talent. And this is this is kind of giving them a chance to do it. So I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so there's a guy called Luke Broughton who has got a pink mohawk. When I first saw him perform, he had like blue eyeshadow that went right around his eyes, like sort of like ancient Egyptian David Bowie-esque yeah. yeah and he sings like Sam Smith like crazy high pitch oh okay and um, it's sort of like at the very top of his own mm. range so you can hear like a crackling it looks like he's really taking risks trying to do something that mm. um, is difficult to do and in the way he plays he really plays very minimalist with mm. his guitar picking anyway we'll try and get him on in the new year we've met right. a few authors and poets that I'd like to Brilliant. interview as well Excellent. Right. Do you want to do another poem for 2015? Or Yeah. Uh, this one, the guy, it's also by Scott Terrell, mm-hmm. um, who I saw perform last month. This is called Don't Get Me Started. He's a dad, and um, he says that he feels so protective of his son when there's any danger about oh, yeah. that he, um, he just sort of winds himself up. Mm. And this is... The poem that he wrote about something happened on a bus. Right. The buggy is wedged between a folded seat and my knee at the front of a warm, damp bus. We're flanked by the wet and the weary. And I'm worried my boy is sticky in his snowsuit, but the thought of peeling it off and fighting it back on in time to press the bell convinces me that he's just snug. The driver is obliviously, or calculatingly, teasing us into starting a human domino rally with each hard, gleeful stamp on the brake and then they get on, and they're loud, and they're stupid, and they don't care who hears it. And there's him, the one with the lip loaded with scatter bombs. The rest of the bus concentrates on the gaps between him, choosing not to hear loud, self-serving tales of police evasion and happy slapping, bulleted with F's, B's, C's, and spit. And I know my son's too young to pick any of this up, but I find myself scouting for young faces that could, feverishly gathering... Sorry, I've ruined this. <laughs> Go on. And I know my son's too young to pick up any of this, but I find myself scouting for young faces that could, feverishly gathering arguments for my cause, rallying righteous ammunition for a counter-attack as he continues to fuel my battery by cursing his zippo into lightning, lighting a damp super king, whilst rage billows and bellows beneath my tongue, battering against my clenched teeth. 
every bullying, skiving, sniggering, cowardly, shell-suited celebrator of the small-minded has found his designated driver and he's unwittingly speeding his spoiled, souped-up Vauxhall Nova straight towards my brick wall and all he has to do is flash his eyes into mine and he is mine. Swallowed whole without guilt or apology, I will be the spear of all of us and he will feel our cold, sharp point. This bus needs a warrior and one is ready to alight. I press the button and release the buggy brakes, but a wheel is stuck and I can't manoeuvre. So he rushes forward and unwedges us, and he parts the passengers, he navigates me to the door, and he helps me carry the buggy to the pavement, and he tells me my son is just fucking lush. And I smile awkwardly at him, because words have failed, and I'm glad that actions haven't. It's <laughs> good. It's angry. <laughs> yeah. But the... Uh... I know about being protective in public transport is, uh, I don't often go on buses, but on the occasion I have with Noah, it's, uh, yeah, well, first of all, you're worried about him just buggering off and, and you know, getting lost or whatever. But, um, yeah, that was very good. Oh, I really liked his performance, Scott Terrell. Mm. He taught a blinding workshop, mm. and I'm going to look out for him in future. He does, like, stand-up comedy shows as well, it's sort of. All oh, right, okay, it's a talented man. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, I'll go on to my bit now, the writing. So, okay. what I'm going to do is I'll just read a, a Noah's Chronicles, and then I'll do a review, and then I've done a poem. Good. I've I done a poem, and I'll tell you the background to the poem, because it's, uh, it's quite funny. Good. Okay, so... <clears throat> This is the latest Noah's Chronicles. I'm actually halfway through writing the Christmas one. But I shall do this. I've had two hours sleep last night, by the way, so just bear <laughs> with me. This is called Waiting Room Blues and Paw Patrol Paralysis. Well, what a fun week we've just had. Senseless sarcasm. Full of vomit, raging temperatures, screaming and the unrelenting feeling that you're the worst parent in the world. So pretty normal stuff when you've a sick child at home. But this went on for a week, which feels like a very long time. Waiting room blues. We've all been there. It's two in the morning and you're camped in the hospital waiting room, waiting for your name to be called so you can move into the ward and be seen by the doctor. You look around at the other sleep-deprived parents and you try to gauge what's wrong with their offspring. You then look at your own child, who had recently been at death's door, but is now the picture of health, playing with toys and cartwheeling, well, almost, across the room. And although you know they're actually sick, you feel a fraud. A while later, your child's name is called and you move into a room ready to be seen. But after the initial obs have been taken by the nurse, you realise the doctor is not coming anytime soon. Now, I know it's not their fault and the NHS is unfairly understaffed and overworked. But after you've been looking at the gleefully happy cartoon characters that cover the walls, for over an hour, you start to get tetchy. A tactic I've employed is hovering by the door and looking pleadingly at the nurses and anyone who looks vaguely senior. The general rule is that they're wearing, if they're wearing plain clothes, they're probably a doctor. I must say that this does not help in the slightest, but it does give an appreciation to how hard these people work and how stressful the conditions are. Parents can be hard to deal with under normal circumstances, just ask teachers. But when they're worried about their kid, they can turn into overbearing fiends, myself included. That is not to say that you shouldn't make a fuss if you think your kid's going downhill. But most definitely, you most definitely should, although it sometimes goes against your English sensibilities. Feeding that canine itch. Now, we all have the slight sense of guilt when we plonk our prodigal child in front of the TV and switch to their favourite child's channel. I'm not saying he's on the CBBC drip all day, but it's one inevitable tool in the modern parent's arsenal. 
Now, whilst Noah was ill, he would only watch Paw Patrol. And don't get me wrong, out of all the mind-bending and cretinous characters concocted for children, children's TV, old Paw Patrol is pretty bearable. However, a few times I changed the channel or turned off the TV and suggested an educational alternative, the resulting apocalyptic tantrum then made his temperature soar. So, Paw Patrol it was. For those of you not familiar with the programme, it's about a troop of dogs that have specific functions such as police, air rescue and lifeguard that are in charge of keeping Adventure Bay free from disaster. Now I say disaster, but the hapless residents of Adventure Bay are about as adventurous as an agoraphobic hermit and seem to call upon the canine services for anything from finding a lost school book to helping a cat stuck atop a silo despite the fact that a dog would be the last source of help I, I would think of. I have particular loathing for Marshall, who is the fire pop, and trips, falls, maims himself in new and inventive ways each episode, which makes me wonder to the wisdom of employing a, a pup who has an obvious inner ear problem and the responsibility to control fires. But then maybe I'm losing perspective. This is what happens after you watch the same computer-generated menagerie for a week. Whatever happened to Scooby-Doo and Button Moon? It may have been partially. It may have been partially written by drug-induced hippie throwbacks, but it was wholesome entertainment, darn it. That's it for another entry. I'm sorry this had a distinctly moaning tone to it. I shall try and be my normal upbeat self for the next entry. I just need some sleep. Good night. Sleep tight. This is me signing out. Super. And that was written at, I think, four in the morning or something like that. It is the worst hour to be awake, four in the morning. Yeah. Sorry about uh, the, the kind of gaps in between. I was having to uh, turn the page and the margins were screwed up. So uh, sorry about that, everyone. Right. You're letting it behind the curtain, Ben. I know. They I know. think you're reciting it. They think, you're, <laughs> they think this is a, a freestyle. Oh my God, no. <laughs> many, many hours of perfecting it. Well, kind of. Right, so what I'm going to do now is just briefly talk about some of the books that I've read in 2015 that I think are pretty good. I'm not going to go into detail on these, we're just going to give you a bit of a synopsis. So, as people who know me will know, I'm a big fan of Stephen King. Now this year, I think it was this year, he released a book called Mr. Mercedes, which is very different to what he normally does. Uh, this is kind of like a hard-boiled detective novel, right. so it is very different. Um, and what it starts off there's this uh detective called bill hodges and he's a kind of down and out pi your normal kind of character that you're used to but the setting is quite uh disturbing basically it starts off and these are not spoilers these are you know it's, this is written on the back of the book it starts off at a big job fair where people are queued up and waiting for the doors to open and then a big Mercedes car an old-school tank of a machine basically uh, revs, it in, revs its engine and plows into the crowd killing right. a lot of people um, so you know instantly it's quite an interesting scenario um, and then obviously Bill Hodges is employed to find this crazy maniac and uh, and that's what I'm going to say, but it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty good. He just seems to be able to turn his hand at everything. Yeah, he puts his effort in with, um, I think we might have, I might have said before, the thing mm. I like about Stephen King's writing is mm. each character has a different vocabulary mm. and it really separates. Um, mm. There's words that one of them will use and one of them won't use. Yeah. And it's just in your head, you then, you, you, it, full, full, it sort of fills out the characters. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's... Master of the craft, isn't he? So. And that's really hard to do, actually, with accents and things. Um, because they're not real words. It's yeah. like, well, how do you spell them? 
Yeah, so you kind of do it frenetically. Yeah. Uh, Ian Banks does a lot of that as mm. well. Uh, like a lot of his books. All right, okay. So, yeah, really recommend Mr. Mercedes. You can pick it up at any reputable bookstore or Amazon, of course. Uh, I also read um, the latest in the PC Grant series, which is called Foxglove Summer. Now, this started off, the first book, I think, was called The Rivers of London. And it's a slightly odd thing in the fact that he's part of the police, but it's dealing with the supernatural element, which they don't publicise. And I know it sounds like every other thing um, and a formula that's been done again and again, but it's just a good version of it. Yeah. And he's quite a likeable character. And he's a black character, which is kind of unusual, even in this day and age. Yeah. Um, so it's how, you know, he's going along with these kind of adventures, but trying to tie in normal police work and procedure. Uh, and it's a lot more fun than I'm making it sound. So is it like X-Files or more like Men in Black or something? It's, it's like a government agency dealing with supernatural. Yeah, take the take the American out of it yeah. and make it purely British, and that's what it is. Mm. Um, and there is this senior kind of Ben Kenobi type figure who is one of the uh, magicians or wizards that is left. So there aren't many left because they got massacred in a big war. Anyway, I won't say anything more about it. I really do recommend them. Um, they're not massively long books, so. If you start reading The Rivers of London and you like it, then you will like the other ones. Otherwise, you know, at least you've given it a go. Yeah. But that sounds like an interesting novel. Complicity. Complicity. Yeah. I like a lot of Ian Banks' stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that one in particular is quite a short book. Mm. Um, very exciting. Yeah. Because he does two types of novels, doesn't he? He does. He does that kind of novel and he does sci-fi. Yeah, he does sci-fi as Ian M. Banks. Mm, that's right. And I am a massive fan of his sci-fi, to mm. be honest. So I've read more of them than his other books. Right. But I just pick them up in charity shops wherever I sure, see yeah. one. You got a particular favourite? Uh, the Player of Games, I think. Okay. The Player of Games is about... It's like... So imagine humans went into space. Ian M. Banks' sci-fi yeah. stories all happen where humans have gone into space, yeah. they've had some wars between one another, and the one, the best sort of form of humanity mm. has let the machines take over. Right. And now nobody has power, but everyone is free. And it's yeah. like a utopian society, mm. but they still deal with more primitive alien cultures that are less free. Okay. And it's sort of like sports, people will gamble a bit, mm. And, and people will be doing art, people will be, you know, it's very um, LGBT friendly mm. culture, everybody's completely happy, and no one has to do anything, but everyone finds something that they want to do. Right. Everyone's free to travel everywhere. It's a bit of a utopian dream. Mm. The player of games, he's got a board with being the best in the whole of the empire that expands mm. galaxies. He's the best player of all games. Everyone okay. goes to him, he's like, university scholar he can play almost as good as the art as the ai machines right right okay and there's a empire that is a bit like ancient rome mm -hmm. but they've been sold some alien technology they've started to expand mm. but they're very cool so they're a bit like aztecs oh. they are very powerful mm. but their whole society is based on horrible horrendous acts done to one another oh, lovely. and um, layers and layers of deception and lies mm. and it's sort of like mm. they're starting to get technology and it's all based on this game which is like chess mm. but on a board that is so much bigger mm. and it's 10 player rather than two oh, okay. it's almost impossible for even a computer to play it very well okay and um it's like has it got multiple levels it's it's sort of like a big war game like oh. a real-time strategy game okay but played with pieces okay. and cards it's like a big Magic the Gathering sort of game. Yeah. But this means all of the disputes between individuals in the society, all of the mm. disputes, all of the, um, the the way the 
good. If you wanted to join the army, mm. you would go into a tournament for the game, and yeah. the higher you got, you could be a general if you're really good at the game. Right. If you're very bad at it, you'd just be infantry. Mm. Everything is sorted out by this single game. All right. Okay. So that dictates where they are in their life. Basically. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Thing. And the people who have done well at the game mm. and have got the power. Yeah. Nepotism means that they make their sons and daughters better at that game when they're growing up, so right. they keep the power. Right. And um, this player of games gets taught about the game, mm-hmm. gets invited to take part in the game, mm. and they don't want him to win. Right. So they start, like, because they're very cruel and ruthless people, they start yeah. sort of threatening him. Okay. So it's like an elitist society, basically, based upon whether you're good at games or not. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole... It's a bit like school, isn't it, in the gym? Yeah, <laughs> but this is uh, quite interesting with history. This is how there was a game to uh, the game that the Vikings used to play called Tapple, mm. which was a seven by seven board. Right, and it was an asymmetric game, so you would play taking turns. Oh. Asymmetric meaning one player was attacking and one was defending. Right, one player had I think it's one player's got like n pieces, and the other's mm. got n divided by two plus one. So if you play with like one guy's got 12 pieces, the other mm. one's got seven. Yeah. One guy's got... You completely lost me, um, to be honest. Sorry, I've got a maths A-level. Uh, it's all right. It's all but right. basically, if it's a bigger board, mm. the, the attacker has twice as many pieces yeah. than the defender. Right. And they have the defender has to flee, starts in the centre of the board. Oh, okay. And they would, you know, if, say, someone committed adultery, mm. they might... So the two guys who were having the conflict yeah. would play over the tapple yeah, and, the other, okay. and the other one. The, the word for table in our language comes from that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, Saxon had a version of it. And the word in Welsh, bull, it comes from the, the Saxon version of the game. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of empires in the past, like the Japanese had Go, mm. ancient Egypt had the barrel board, mm-hmm. China had their one, well, I forget the name of. Wow. But these are strategy games that help the warlike sort of people mm. get better at strategy. And it is actually an evolved trait to get. Brilliant. Wow. Well, I realise you've gone on a tangent. Yeah, right now, folks. That's <laughs> education for you. <laughs> Will and his random facts. But uh, it's good. Okay. Um, so, I'll just tell you a bit, bit of background. I'm going to do a, a poem. Super. As you know, it's not my forte. Um, now, what we do at my family Christmas, and it's horribly middle class but we kind of enjoy it basically molly my niece comes up with a title to it could be a poem it could be a story and then we've just got to write a page uh, and then we (laughs) and then we recite it around the table that's great (laughs) yeah uh anyway it was called the soul made of coal which is not I'll be at rhyme as well, so it's like, okay, what the hell am I going to do with that? Anyway, so I had a few to drink and then I just, I kind of just wrote this out and it, I think it worked all right, but we'll see. See what you think. The soul made of coal. The time was noon and Christmas telly was in full swing. He entertained the relatives with wine and gin. He looked down the road and saw his old neighbour shifting snow from his drive with back-breaking labour. The neighbour's grizzled visage and gruff demeanour seemed to epitomise the life of this solitary senior. With the spirit of the season and no small amount of gregariousness, he invited his neighbour in to share in their merriness. After the initial shock of this unexpected invitation, the neighbour agreed with a jovial salutation. After the obligatory introductions to family and friends, he settled by the fire nursing a whiskey and the euphoria it lends. In childish naivety, the grandson asked the man, Who are you? To which the man said with childish scorn, I'm Bill, who are you too? The grandson grinned at this challenging response. I'm Toby, Lord of all you see, you must bow at once. Bill stood up and bowed with a courtly flourish. Pray, young sir, fill my glass with your tipple. It is very Moorish. The child looked perplexed and said, You talk a lot. He responded with, Well, you're a cheeky little sod. 
What do you do for a job, said the grandson with childish demand. I used to dig for coal, man and boy, pneumatic drill in hand. What, you were a miner down a pit? Yeah, not like kids these days. You little shit, uh, sugar plum fairy. <laughs> the dad came into the room offering refills and snacks, interrupting the miners' childish cracks. Who of you are looking forward to Christmas Day? The miner looked at the child and puffed up to say, I'm appreciative of your invite into your lovely home, but now I'm to a house all cold and alone. But you have reminded me of an importance of friends. I'm off to home to make amends. With family and loved ones I've ignored all year, it's about time I imparted some festive cheer. So into the night the miner walked with a jovial gait, a spring in his step and a little less hate. For this season can bring the gruffest soul to bear, and for us to realise there is enough whisky to share. The man's soul may be made of coal and ember, but we have enough luck to share this cold December. Woo! Ah, oh, sorry about it not flowing very well, my Still tired. <laughs> it's really good. I like the ending of. Uh, yeah. It's it's a lovely sentiment to express at Christmas time. Yeah. And I think you did well with the soul made of coal. Oh. It was a tricky one, that. But uh, the ultimate critics are going to be my family. We'll see. We'll see what they say. <laughs> so everyone. How many people will be performing pieces that they well, just for the day? Theoretically, everyone's supposed to, but yeah. that doesn't happen. So yeah. it's always me, Dad, sometimes Laura, yeah, sister. Uh, although she weirdly has opted for a quiz, Christmas quiz, which is actually is quite good fun. Yeah. Um, but I feel like yeah, then we should you know retire to the dining room and kind of sing along to the piano. You know, <laughs> kind of Pride and Prejudice style. Follow me into the parlour. Yes. <laughs> oh dear, but that's that is that. Oh great. So, William. Yes. Can you tell me what you've got coming up? Yeah, I've uh, I've been asked to do some. I've, I've been starting to get gigs. So basically, the biggest job I've got is to try and write and finish my show for. Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival, which is in February. Great. So, basically, it's only £3 a ticket. My show is called Drunk in Charge. I'm the drunk and I'm in charge. And one of the poems I'll do is about me cycling drunk and breaking my rib. So, it's just about... I mean, it, there's a lot in it that's a, sort of disjointed things. Mm. But I've, I've tailed, tailed it through so far with, like... Mm. It's a lot about. Uh, I'm not really selling this very well. No, no, go on. <laughs> I want to get the Days Comedy Festival brochure out and read what I wrote for the blurb. <laughs> oh, cheating, you see. Well, I had to write something. Yeah. Basically, I'm technically a promoter, mm. and I'm part of like this because I'm promoting myself. I, you know, I'm paid to get in this. Anyone could have done it, but mm. I have done, and I, I will be doing an hour show, my debut show. If it goes well, I hope to be able to do something in Edinburgh Festival in August. Yeah, I just want a full room. It's a 75-seater. It's £3 a ticket. It's February, Saturday, half past nine. And I've written performance, poetry, charming and dapper, arguably comedy, occasional rapper. He's an avid cyclist with a thirst for homebrewing beer. Those hobbies combined and smash two bikes and one rip. It's about life, love, happiness, joy, hope, relationships and tips to overcome day job drudgery, plus some music and pop culture and current events thrown in. All the rhymes are written and performed by a local dude who sometimes lewd but never crude. Um, so yeah, I'll be doing an hour show. It's all silly poems, some right. music and rap. I mean, what I'm doing at the minute with the musical act, I'm yeah. trying to just make it more accessible because so, not everyone wants to see poetry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be... I think you're right. I think it connects with more people. Yeah. It, it sorts out my pacing better as well. If I do it without music and without a tempo, sometimes I race and it's nervousness yeah, sure. things. Whereas yeah. if there's a drum beat in the background I feel like I can express every syllable in a, in a more yeah. repeatable yeah. way. I think you, you do get into no pun intended, but you do get into the groove. Yeah. And um it certainly sounds good. Well cheers. Yeah. I've been I've 
I've worn out so many batteries on this little looping pedal. Really? I've not yet paid the guy for it. The guy called Rodney mm. that I met through an open mic, he said he'd sell it me for 100 quid. Mm. And I haven't seen him for like eight weeks, but he's got my number. So Rodney, you know, <laughs> we will, uh, or will, will give you the money once, uh, once you, you know. Yeah, once you hassle me, I'll, I'll bring you the cash. Yeah. But as it is now, I've spent like, must have been about 26 quid on nine volt batteries. I've worn out so many. This is, uh, this is what a bag of batteries sounds like. Oh my God. That's ridiculous. That's seriously, this is podcast gold, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Rodney, we hope that you've not fallen prey to a horrible accident or something. Please get in touch with Will. And, uh, and yeah, he'll probably pay on installments. Yeah. Have we got anything else? Or, uh, or am I finishing this one off with another song? Well, I'm just going to say I have finally finished um, my book. Oh, super. So, I don't know whether anybody remembers, but I was going to do, I have been doing an illustrated uh, short story uh, set in Stephen King's Dark Tower world, which is an unusual thing for me to do, um, but I got asked to do it by quite a few friends. So, uh, yeah, I did some of the illustrations, my mum did some of the others, but she's, uh, she's very good actually. So, uh, I've just sent off for the proofing copy and hopefully by the time this goes up it'll be available so I'll put the link on, uh, on the Facebook page but uh, yeah I mean I will eventually do a Kindle version but because it's illustrated it's really worthwhile having a printed version yeah and if I see you I will sign it I've seen the sketch of that character I forget his name did he um, yeah. oh to tuberculosis yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen any other illustrations yet, but I look forward to. Yeah, it's the first time I've done this, uh, and it's quite nice seeing your, you know, your characters in kind of an art form mm. to work. It's uh, it's interesting. What I'm going to do this year, uh, sorry, next year even, um, I'm going to try and link in with some of the uh, local actors. Yeah, and get them to kind of perform some of the short stories. It's something that we've tried to do before in, in several different uh, critic groups. Yeah. But I think it's a good idea because it works It works well because basically the actors get some material to perform, yeah. adds to their qualification, whatever they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to see your work come to life. So that's just a, a preview for next year. Super. So hopefully. Yeah, so, well, I know you're going to continue to go to open mics and yeah, and this uh, Dave Comedy Festival is a pretty big thing, guys. So, uh, well, I'm putting a lot of um, time into writing it, mm. rehearsing a lot of it on the regular and rewriting bits of it, and I'm performing. The music, especially, is new to me. So, yeah, it's always been poetry, poetry, or poetry, all for a year, and now mm. I just figure. I just need to polish some bits of it. Yeah. And by February, I, I think it should be good, you know. I've got a lot written. Mm. Um, there's a sort of recurring theme in it where I'm sort of Let's adapting. Go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what it is. <laughs> there is a poem about me breaking up with my yeah. ex and yeah. about how that um, was a bit of a shock. But also, it's a, it's a bit of a silly one. It's got, it is, like 60 seconds of it is bleak. But right. then it's loads of jokes, so it's like, Oh, living alone can take its toll, but now I use a lot less loo roll. I can't imagine what she did with it. A full five feet for every shit. And it's just stuff like that. <laughs> it's like, it's about relationships and living with yeah. another and then living alone. Yeah. And then, yeah, basically, after being sort of a monogamous male for like mm. 10 years, yeah. and that sort of biting me on the arse, it's yeah. about like me trying to adapt to the sort of mm. the landscape of dating now where it's all online dating, Tinder young people are sending sex text into one another and it's mm. all a big shock yeah to me who's been sort of ignoring girls for a decade you know? yeah you know, it's all about like there's a lot of stuff about how sex sells and for mm. 10 years i wasn't that bothered so yeah i had regular sex at home and now 
Mm. It's like I see a girl choking a um, licorice paper. Who's mm. pretty, and I'm like, wow. Next time I'm in the market, I'm buying licorice papers. It, it affects me more now I'm single. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's like your love of cigarettes rather than girls. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's like if a girl asks me to do something, oh, can you mm. pick that up? Mm. Before, I was like, you know, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. Right. Now it's like if a pretty girl asks me to pick something up, I'm like, mm. yes. Because you want to get into a pan. It's not that. <laughs> it's just that I, uh, it is that really, isn't it? Well, <laughs> basically a lot of my poems are about me barking at the wrong tree. Right. Um, ended up chatting with lesbians, that sort of thing. By the way, listeners, the reason why we say lesbians is because Will has an uncanny knack of uh, kind of coming on to lesbians. Well, what it is, I think I'm like a third... I'm like, yeah, there's this, this straight and gay, mm-hmm. and then I'm in this sort of tortured <laughs> to be forever loveless scenario where I'm only attracted to lesbians who are therefore not attracted to me. Yeah, that's just how it's been for a while. Look, it's 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 good. It's, We're gonna break the it's cycle, getting out of it, cycle. But I have to keep. I think it's like a tragic story, mm-hmm. but I have started to see some sort of success. It's less less bleak than it sounds. Maybe but, maybe you could do like a, a questionnaire or something. So when you first meet a girl, <laughs> you can just say, you know, pose this scenario. You know, you go to IKEA. Would you assemble the furniture, or would uh, right. you get a man to do it? You know, that's well, that's horribly judgmental. Sorry, the thing guys. is, what it is, I've got a poem. I got in trouble at work mm. for this. Mm. I shouldn't go into details. Disciplinary hearing should be like no. a secret. But basically, I wrote something. It was about me coming to terms with being single after being in a relationship for a long time. Yeah. It was like, when I was with my ex, I thought, casual sex, what's that all about? But now she's long gone and I want to move on. I feel like I'm missing out. Because I see guys boast about playing the field. I'm just amazed at the magic power they wield. They say they hop in bed, no strings attached with some all but anonymous Tinder match. And if they're all at it, why not me? Why am I uptight? Why are they so free? Because being myself is just not working. Sat alone with one hand jerking. And I got in trouble at work um, for saying that in the canteen and uh, written written complaint about that. Well, it, it is rather blue. Yeah, a lot of what I've been writing for pubs mm. is turning a bit rude. Yeah. Again, pub good place, but not necessarily the... Uh, well, let's put it out of the podcast then. But basically, it's a, it's a silly, silly show. It's about mm. um, love, I suppose, in a way. No, it's good. It's got a serious meaning and it's got comedy value. It's uh, it's just people get so offended at the slightest thing. Well, it, it wasn't safe for work and I shouldn't have said it at work. No. So, yeah. The best sort of review I've had to one of the, like, the breakup poem that I do, mm. a guy said that I reminded him of a bad breakup 30 years ago, but then I made him laugh about it. And that, right. to me, was like, that's what I... It was what I tried to do, but I was happy that that mm. was the response that I got. Yeah. I started, like, collecting things people have said to me in person mm. and using those, you know, like proper poets in books, they, they have like a celebrity or another famous poet or a published mm. author gushing about them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of that, I've just got things normal people That's have said great. to me. So great. some of them is very simple, like one just says, bloody great, <laughs> Amy. And one's like a, a jazz musician called Mike Soul mm. from a band called the Elusive Quartet. Brilliant. He came up and he shook my hand and he just said, your words, man. That was all he said. Your words, man. Um, yesterday, a guy called John Seals, mm-hmm. he said, I've seen poets before, but somehow you're very different, but in a good way. So that's going to be on the new print oh, that I make. Brilliant. But yeah. So, some great accolades there. Oh, well, I've got to sell myself because no one else will do it. Um, <laughs> this, what else have I got going on? Oh yeah, so I'm performing... In Leicester at the Sound House. Mm-hmm. That is on the Tuesday, the nineteenth of February. And where's that Sound House? It's uh, in the Cultural Quarter, so near Charles Street. Okay, it's not far from there. Um, really worth checking out. House of Verse and Anarchy. They're both groups on Facebook, and they run a monthly night each. Right. Okay. And that's um, it's rather than open mic like you get at Word or Find the Right Words, which I've been going yeah. to for a long time, Anarchy and House of Verse, they put on people who are performing open mic elsewhere, but they, their names, they're shared on Facebook, and it makes people feel more valued, I think, because they, they know that it's going to be a show, Yeah, but it's not 
it's not open mic, you have to be invited to perform at those. There's another one called Herd of Mouth that's really good. Mm. I performed at that one once. But yeah, I'll be performing at House of Verse and at Anarchy in right. January and February. Brilliant. Um, and I've got a paid gig in Kettering, Run Your Tongue, and that's the 25th of February. But that's a long time after my Dave, yeah. you know, after my Dave's comedy show. So. Wow. So everyone go at least go to the Dave's Comedy Festival. £3 a ticket. Three pound a ticket. Just a full room. Absolutely, you know, cheap as chips. And you can also go to some of the other many acts that are there. It's it's a really good, uh, it's a really good time actually. Yeah, there's all sorts all day. You mm. know, I was finishing work at three last February, mm. cycling, seeing some free shows, seeing some for three quid, four quid, five. Yeah, and it's it's always good. It's always stuff going on. Yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. That's great. Right. So well, so. I think I just want to say everybody have a fantastic Christmas. May you get all the uh, the presents that you want, and uh, of course, you know, thank the baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest one. I think we're gonna have to edit this down. Yeah, we will do. I'm uh, I'm gonna finish it off with a song though, even though it's fifty two minutes already on this. Call. Yeah, go ahead. So this is uh, what's it's, it called? It's uh, it's an operatic. Right, mm. so I don't know. I'm just trying to express myself the best. It's like waiting in a wasteland. So I rap about how bad it is in the wasteland. I mm. sing in an operatic way about how bad it is in the wasteland. Right. Um, but yeah, vocal looping. Let's see what you think of it. Fantastic. Here it is. This song is about clickbait articles on BuzzFeed and Facebook. A heartwarming story that'll make you cry Seven shocking facts that'll make you literally die Nineteen photos of dogs cuddling cats And then thirty-three pictures of pets wearing hats A lucky escape from a runaway car Then five times pranks went a little too far Nineteen images that will speak to your soul Eleven crazy moves after scoring a goal I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul 23 things tall girls will never say 14 sportsmen that have come out as gay why tuna in oil is much better than brine and 16 gifts that get funnier each time a hundred life hacks you could actually do this is what your postcode says about you which princess are you there's prizes to win then eight clips of crimes that will make you stay in. I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul. I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul. I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul. I scroll and scroll till it destroys my soul. Fifteen ways to remove that pimple, hair loss remedy, it's so simple Fifteen surefire ways to get wealthy, nine top tips to make your diet more healthy Fourteen pieces of love advice, back yourself an iPad for half the price Mother's top tip for a wrinkle-free face, miracle skinny pill, now a new taste There's thousands of these articles, so you can take your pick Because they're not going to stop, so long as we click